Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're all black today because it's death's funeral. Come on, we're putting some things to death today. We're leaving some things behind today. We're saying goodbye to the things that held us back. We're saying hello to 2020 more. It may be cheesy, but it's going to work. Say it until you believe it. 2020 more. It may be an election year. Maybe the last election year was a little bit crazy. But it doesn't mean that it can't be 2020 more. Lift your hands. Holy Spirit, we thank you that today is holy ground. This is holy ground. Father, we came to bring you a sacrifice. Once again, we yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that today you would highlight the things that are meant to die. We put to death the things of old and we wake up, we resurrect in the name of Jesus by your spirit, the same spirit that raised you, Jesus, from the dead. We declare over our lives, we declare over our neighbors, we declare over our health, we declare over our businesses, we declare over our purpose, we declare over our minds, we declare over our city, we declare over California, we declare over the United States of America. Father, we thank you that you are rescuing, you are redeeming, you are restoring, you are making all things things new. We put to death the lies of the enemy over our life and we say yes. We come into agreement. We believe that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, think, or imagine in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on. I'm excited for today. I'm honored to be up here. I wouldn't be up here if it weren't for Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. Can we honor our pastors? Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, this pulpit is theirs. This church is here because 18 years ago, they left some stuff in the shredder and they came over to America. Who knew that 18 years ago, God sent what I believe is America's pastors to come and rescue a city, to come and rescue a state, to come and redeem what God intended initially for this country. So I'm thankful for them. Make sure you thank them, pray for them, encourage them, post it like, do everything you can to, to, to continue to pray for them and thank them. And then how many love the Hubbards? Come on, Pastor Matt, Michaela, the greatest campus pastors. They are in Salt Lake City. He's actually preaching his Shredder Sunday out there. And so they're getting refreshed, but also ministering to the campus out there. And so um, I know we wouldn't be who we are without them. We wouldn't have this campus uh, without their faith to step into it. So uh, why don't you high five four people and say, today's gonna be fun. Today's gonna be fun. Four people, four people. Don't shortcut and don't do, don't do five. I know some of you did seven already. Not cool. Okay. <clears throat> quick, quick note, as Pastor Mike and Pastor Rachel wonderfully talked about, have this out. I want you to have this out while we are, uh, we're going to be workshopping a little bit today. So have this out, have a pen ready. And maybe you've already highlighted some things. Maybe you've already wrote some things down. Maybe you came into today prepared as you should, that, that would have been smart, but it's, if not, that's fine. Um, 
just write some stuff down. And as I'm talking, as the Holy Spirit is ministering through this word, make sure that you write more things down. Don't, don't leave anything. Here's, here's a weird little trick that I do. You don't have to do it. Some may call it, you know, the opposite effect. I actually, I take a picture before I shred it. Because I want to remember at the end of the year what God did for the things that I overcame. And so every year I've done that, and every year I'm amazed at what God is actually able to do through my obedience of writing things down, coming to the, coming to the altar, coming to the cross, and nailing it there. So make sure to do that. Have this out. Um, little life update. I'm nine weeks into new child number two. Yep, yep. I'm doing a lot, obviously, you know. <laughs> Um, super dad, doing all the things. No, my wife is the super, superhero. Love you, babe. Um, and, uh, and so this was his first Christmas, which is really cool. But it was my daughter's uh, third Christmas, and she's two and a half. So she didn't really get it at, you know, six months old. She didn't really get it at a year and a half, but I started reading the night before Christmas to her. I, like, it was, this was the year. Like, this was the threshold. And this was also the year that meant that we started getting her, like, legit Christmas gifts, and um, I didn't really think about it, to be honest with you, until maybe a week before. Uh, thankfully, I wasn't in charge of buying them. Uh, my wife had been thinking about them, I think, maybe nine months. And so, you know, Amazon list, is, she just, and she, you know, she was like very intentional about the things. But one of the things she was saying was like, hey, like, you know, just FYI, like this, this kitchen that I'm going to get, don't put the picture up yet, just wait. This kitchen I'm going to get, like, y- you know, you're going to have to build it, right? It's like, Emma, and I was not, I was, in my headspace, I was trying to finish 2023 strong. I was like, oh, build something, that's fine. I built those cabinets in our dresser. And she's just like, are you sure? Like, like, because when it came, she's like, you should probably call your friend. Like, you should probably have them. And like, as a man, I'm like, I'm already insecure about that. I already got to write that down. I'm not as handy as some people, you know? And so I grew up Jewish, okay? And so I, we, we paid people to do stuff, like, Thank you for receiving that better than the, 11, the nine. I feel like the nine was like offended. I'm like, you know, I'm Jewish. Like, I, I can say that. You, you can't say I can say that. They were like offended for me. I'm like, this is not, this was meant to be funny. You made it not funny. You made it awkward. Either way. But I was like, you know what? I got this, babe. I got this. And so, you know, up till 2 a.m., two nights in a row, uh, you know, maybe eight, nine hours in, um, this was built. So can we put it up? I want to show you guys my beautiful masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. I could tell. There was a mix of emotions. Some of you were overwhelmed, like, wow, it only took you nine hours. And then some of you were underwhelmed, like, oh, gosh, I think he probably should have called somebody. Um, But you know what? My daughter loves it. She can make her coffees. She can do all the things. And it came in, like, I don't know, 700 pieces, it felt like. And so, you know, dads, I get it now. Like, I get it. I, I always thought, like, I don't know. I just never thought it would be me, and it was me. So, um, so when the box came, though, uh, you know, I couldn't just give her the box as much as I wanted to. Like, I, I had to build the thing. And so, you know, the box came. It's this massive box. So I carted it around in my office, and then my office is like a little bit of, of a mess coming into the end of the year. I'm like, I got to clean this stuff out. It wasn't exactly how I had – it wasn't the, in the ideal environment to build what I needed to build. And then I opened the box up, and there's like, I don't know, 27,000 pieces of styrofoam that are like randomly jammed in. I'm like, why, why all this styrofoam? I feel like it would have been fine with maybe three pieces. And so I got to get all, like there's tape, there's, I got to get all this stuff out of the way. And maybe it wasn't how I intended it, but I, I, it was, it was there. 
There was stuff there that needed to not be there so I could build. There was stuff there. I maybe didn't plan it to be that way. Maybe I didn't realize that I was coming to the end and I had to build this stuff. Or maybe I didn't. But I had to get stuff out of the way so I could have a clear vision. I could see clearly so I could build clearly. Shredder Sunday is about getting stuff out of the way so I can see what God sees for 2024, so I can come into next Sunday and be clear-sighted and begin to build with God the thing and the life that he has for me in 2024. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3 says it like this. This is, uh, you know, the author of Hebrews speaking, just having referred to the hall of faith with all these incredible, faithful men and women of God. And he says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Say every weight and the sin. That's this. Which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 2024. Looking unto Jesus, here's our example, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So today is about laying aside weight getting rid of the sin, tossing it aside, and looking to Jesus as the example of how do we pursue 2024 so that we don't become weary and discouraged in our souls. If we want to experience everything God has for us in 2024 and run the race he's calling us to lay, we have to go through, as Jesus did, the cross. And that's what Shredder Sunday is all about. It's not some weird manifestation, cuckoo, any of that stuff. I've done that stuff before Jesus. Didn't work. I've walked on hot coals, although a cool experience, and I did not burn my feet. Interesting. Thought I would. Didn't. Um, it didn't change my life. <laughs> right? But going through the cross, that changed my life. And so that's what this is. We're going to take the dysfunction. We're going to take the divorce pay. We're going to take the debt. We're going to take the bad report. We're going to take what the doctors are. We're going to take every word that was spoken, we're gonna take those things, write them down, and bring them through the cross. We're gonna bring them through the cross, and that is how our life is going to be powerful. Okay, the title of this message today, why don't you tell it to your neighbor, say, it's time to break through. There we go, there's your title. Boom shakalaka, okay. We're gonna be looking at, don't say that, wow, thanks Pastor Mike. It was very 1990s of me. Probably because I was born in 1993. Well, that was your fault, so. Okay, point number one, which means I'm 30 years old. Okay, point number one, embrace the cross. Embrace the cross. The first step to our breakthrough life in 2024 is dying to our own will. Dying to our own will. See, the cross doesn't represent something we don't have to do anymore. Like, if you look at the cross and people that wear the cross, they don't understand it, it's like, oh, like, Jesus did that, so we don't have to do that. And yet, that's actually not what it's saying. It's saying we couldn't do what Jesus did because of the cross, but he actually still calls us to pick ours up. The way to the life that Jesus has for us is actually through death. He says you must be born 
again. Jesus, I was already born. Yeah, 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 but I need you to be born again. Well, how do you get born again? Well, you got to die to the old. So I've got to die in order to live. It's this crazy conundrum that Jesus talks about in Matthew 16, 24, verses 25. He says, therefore, nope, that's the other one. Scroll down, Alex. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, in other words, if anybody wants to be a Christian, if anybody wants to be a believer, let him deny himself. Well, that's not a great start, Jesus. What about saying yes to myself? What about, what about self-love? Well, that's some garbage that this woke. You can't love yourself unless you've first been loved. I'll leave that there. Okay. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Well, I thought you died on the cross. Well, yeah, you do too. And follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whatever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, everyone that I know and everyone in the world, I think, wants a better life. Does anybody not want a better life? Okay, great. Good start. You're in the right place. But we have this interesting philosophy of how we're supposed to get there. Because Jesus wanted redemption, right? He wanted restoration. He literally came to reunite you and I with the Father. That's what he did. But he couldn't just come to earth and just do that. He had to die first to his own will. He didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the Father's will. If we look at three main markers in Jesus' life, when he was born, when he started his ministry with baptism, getting baptized, and then third at the cross, we see three points of death. The first point is when he was born. He was actually wrapped in swaddling cloth. Some historians would say that that was actually cloth that was used and was taken by families that would travel because Jewish people at the time couldn't touch dead things. They couldn't touch, so if they came across a burg- someone who was you know, mobbed or burglarized or whatever on the road and they were bleeding or dead, they had to cover that person, wrap the person up. And they would also bring those in case during childbirth that either the, the child or the mother didn't make it. They would bring that to wrap. And so Jesus, the one that came to bring life, was actually wrapped in burial cloths. You see, he came knowing he had to die before he could live. And then you get to baptism. Baptism, which we did last Wednesday. How amazing was that to see all of uh, people going from death to life? You see, it's awesome. Like, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be following you. I'm going to, but you got to die first. That's what baptism represents. It's not just let's get wet and then come up. And, no, it's, it's, it's you're buried with Christ in baptism and then you come alive in his resurrection. So death and then Jesus obviously on the cross and that led to the resurrection. So Jesus knew exactly how to bring life. He had to die first. How for us is it any different? I feel like for some of us, this card is just gonna be about things that need to be put to death. Not like, I would love for this to happen. I would let, that's Vision Sunday. This is about what needs to be put to death that I have chosen to keep alive. And we compare that to the Israelites in the wilderness. They literally just wouldn't die to themselves. <laughs> they did everything but die to themselves. And then they actually died in the wilderness and never saw the promised land, because the pain was enough to get them out of Egypt, but it wasn't enough to get them in to the promised land. I'll say that again. Maybe the pain of the thing that you're stuck in got you out of it, 
but now you're in this place and stuff is still stuck, but it's not painful enough for you to move into denying yourself, picking up the cross that Jesus is asking you, putting to death some things. You see, we have to want Jesus more than we want our own way. That's what Christianity is. We have to want Jesus and his ways more than we want our own ways. Here's a quick tip. The quicker the death, the quicker the resurrection. The quicker the death, the quicker the resurrection. Have you ever ripped off a Band-Aid real slow? <laughs> Terrible. Painful. Why? But if you don't do it properly and rip it off fast, it actually gets stuck back on. And some of us are stuck in some things. I don't know why I'm back in this place financially. I don't know why I'm back in this place relationally. I don't know why I'm back in this place in my mind. I don't know why I'm back in this place. I don't know why I'm back. Well, I wonder if it's because you just won't die to that thing. And I found the quicker I can just rip the thing off, Jesus, you can have it. I surrender it to you. I trust you with all of my heart. I lean not on my own understanding and all my ways. I acknowledge you and know that you will make my path straight. As we do that, we can find ourselves in resurrection in life a lot faster. I believe it was the reason that Jesus was able to do everything that he did, save the world, in 33 years. Really, a three-year ministry is all it took. Why? Because he came to die. He let everything die, and he said, this is the Father's will. I wonder what our lives could look like if we chose God's will the first time, every time. Not what could have been, right? What could be. I wonder what our lives could look like if we chose God's will the first time, every time. You see, I had, coming to Christ, I'd experienced enough pain by the time I was 22 to just really realize that anything I try to do myself, right, it looked right, it looked right, it looked right, it looked right, it ended in death, it ended in death, it ended in death, it ended in death. Trying to get affirmation from other people and love from other people, wow, that ended in death, wonderful. Trying to get status and recognition and this feeling of importance from what I achieved and the money I had and the ended in death. The relationships I tried to save my, ended in death. Everything I tried to do in my own strength ended in death. And I feel like it was a gift to have that much destruction that early on in life. Because by the time I heard the gospel, I said, well, I'm pretty much out of options at this point. This seems like a better way which is all great and dandy. And by that time, I realized when I heard the God, when it was presented to me at Awakened Church, I realized, okay, well, from what I'm hearing, this doesn't feel like a try it on, return it. This isn't like a Nordstrom's kind of thing. This isn't like a buy the shirt, maybe the pants come back for later. This is, this is I'm either all in or I'm out. Revelation 3.16 talks about God, or Jesus speaking, saying, I'd rather you just be either all in, hot, or cold, but you're lukewarm. And I'm gonna spit you out just like I did the cold. And so when I was, yeah, I know, I didn't write it. So, you know, <laughs> just gotta live it. And so when I got saved, I realized, okay, it sounds like everything is now his. It sounds like this life, the only way through to the life that I want is actually through the cross, and through the cross means dead. That means the old Alex is gone. That means my ways are gone. That means Jesus is still, why? because he wants relationship, is still giving me a choice in the matter. But if I want to experience the life that he has for me, the abundant, exceedingly abundantly above, the, the grace, the empowerment, the fulfillment, the purpose, the peace, all of that, if I want that, I've got to let this die and stay dead. 
And that means choosing his will. It means denying myself, picking up my cross. And so, obviously, I signed up for all that before I really knew what it meant. <clears throat> you know, growing up Catholic and Jewish, I didn't really realize all the things I was doing wrong. But as soon as this word starts being alive to you, you start hearing the word, you can't help but realize there's a contradiction in my life. Right, so the, some of the things like, okay, drugs and alcohol, leaning on those instead of God for my love and affection, yeah, I'll leave that because it wasn't serving me. Fine, Jesus, no problem, easy. Then Jesus is like, well, you know, moving in with the girl you wanna marry before you're married and sleeping with her, that's actually out of alignment. There's a contradiction here. Well, Jesus, that's serving me. I don't know if I fully, I had a choice to make. But I died to myself, so I didn't really have a choice. I had to say, okay, Jesus, this is your way, not my way. I'm choosing to trust you. As painful as it is, I'm gonna put this thing to death. And thank God I did because I married the most beautiful, incredible, wonderful woman of God that I wouldn't have met if I just tried to yield to my own ways and if I kept that thing alive. It was the same thing with pornography. The same thing with, I can name a million things that as I started hearing the word of God, I started realizing how much of my life was out of alignment. And there wasn't this condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. So he's not saying here, bashing over the head with this thing. He's like, hey, I have a better way. You want more in 2024? Then it's time to say no to my way, and it's time to say yes to Jesus' way. And it starts with putting the thing to death. For some of us, that's literally all we need today. You could literally check out. You could come down here, shred. I'd recommend you not. It'd be a lot of commotion then we know which one you need to do. But in some ways, that might be all you need to do is leave behind the old, say no to your will, pick up your cross, and say yes to Jesus. Let's shred that today. Point number two, despise the shame. Despise the shame. The second step to our breakthrough in 2024 is despising the shame in the lives of the devil that have kept us back. You see, Jesus despised the shame because he knew it wasn't his identity. You see, it's easy to ignore something or to kind of like let duck waters off a duck's back, as Dr. Matt likes to say. I almost said something else. If, if you know that it's like insanely not true. Like if you were to tell me, Alex, you're a cat, I'd be like, dude, you're, you're nuts and you need to get to recovery like yesterday. But in 2023, I mean, there are some people that think they're a cat. So if, that's, if that happens to be you, I'm glad you're here. Please write it down. Come down. We'll shred it. There are videos, people. There are videos. Don't look them up. It will discourage you and empower you at all the work we have left to do in this world. Because that's a crazy lie. It's a crazy lie. It has, I've never been a cat. I, there's no way I could be a cat. But yet... But yet when the devil comes and says, you're a cheater because once you cheated, but it's who you always are. It's who you, it's, it's your, you're still an addict, but no, I'm, I'm not an addict. You're still a financial mess. You're still a, you're a, you name it, he'll say it. If it has t any tie to your past, he'll try and accuse you of it. He's the accuser and get you to think that you still are that. And I think that's where most of us actually get stuck. It's not even the sin that's getting us stuck. It's the shame that's getting us stuck. But it's actually impossible for us to still be that sin. Why? It got nailed to the cross. The word identity in its original language means repeated way of being. 
So that means before, today, tomorrow, it's, it's just who you always were. It's repetitive. It's this thing that always has happened. And yet, the Bible says that when we become new in Christ, that God literally tosses our sin into a sea of forgetfulness. Colossians 2, 11 to 16 says it like this. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. Here's, here's the kicker right here, verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us, so he pardoned us. He said that thing that was on your account, that sin, that mistake, that lie, that what, what you name it, it happened to you or you happened to it, whatever the case was, it's no longer on your record. It's struck through. But I don't really know when you strike something through, you can still see it. You just know it doesn't, it, it, the, the consequence is not there anymore. But he didn't just do that. The Bible says that he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And yet so many of us feel like we're the ones being shamed on the cross, feel like we're the ones stuck in our, but Jesus says that he didn't just cancel it, he took it away. He took it away. I wonder what it would feel like and look like if you realize that God actually doesn't remember your sin. Because God doesn't remember it, why are we? Imagine if your spouse never remembered any mistake you have ever made. My goodness, if my wife forgot every single, like if she forgot the times that I forgot to take the trash out, if she forgot the times I forgot to shut the cabinet, if she forgot that, I mean, I could go on all day. That would be wild because then I would probably forget it, but I only remember it when she brings it and she gave me this analogy, so we're fine. And yet it's not God reminding you of your mistake. So who's reminding you? And why are you listening if you know it's him? I wonder what life would be like. I, 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 got, I got stuck when I got, you know, I got saved. I gave everything to Jesus and, and for the most part, some things were set free, but there were some things that just I couldn't get unstuck from. I didn't have the story of I showed up to men's prayer and immediately was set free from uh, pornography. I didn't, I didn't have that story. I was still stuck and I was working it out. I was, I was trying, and I remember for, for a while, I was like, God, why is this thing still attached to me? And part of me just started making these you know, things up. Like maybe I'm just, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. And then I remember what the Holy Spirit said one day. He said, well, what would it feel like and look like, and how would you think about it if you never did it in the first place? And that he related that to, to codependency, related to the, he related all these things I was stuck in. I was like, oh, well, it would feel amazing. I would feel completely free. I would, I probably wouldn't even think about doing it again because I never done it in the first place. And I know that God doesn't want me. And he's like, exactly. The reason you're stuck is because shame is keeping you stuck, not because the sin is keeping you stuck. Because if you never did the thing, just take a moment and imagine that thing that has kept you stuck. It could be financial related. It could be, it, it could be a number of different things. What has kept you stuck? The reality of something that is keeping you stuck is probably the shame of what was versus what Jesus actually sees in you. And if you can see him through his eyes, how he sees you, he doesn't see, wow, 
you know, Alex bar- he barely, barely made it through. Like, wow, you got lucky. No, he, he literally sees the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says, wow, that kid is perfect. Wow, that kid. That's how he sees us. And I wonder if we saw ourselves that way, if we could actually get free a lot faster. Because the problem is, James says, well, you've already done it. You might as well do it again. Shame says you are that thing, you'll never be free. Shame says that's the thorn in your side. That's, that's, that is not, you do not tolerate that. Jesus wants you free from all sin and shame. So for some of us, we're gonna be shredding shame today because we will never be free until we see ourselves as the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. But if you can do that thing, you can keep buried things buried. And if you can keep buried things buried, you don't pick up stuff that smells bad and walk around wondering why people and why you feel like, wow, I smell. Why does this smell? Why does this look wrong? Why does it? Well, it's because you picked up something that was buried. Let it die. It's dead. It's dead. You're new in Christ. You are a new creation, which means you got some new threads. You got some new clothes, some new riz, I think they call it. Pastor Marco, is that right? Wow. I'm 30 and that feels wrong, right? That's like, that's how I know. Okay. You can look it up. I didn't make that up. That was the thing. All the TikTokers, Gen Z. Okay. So maybe shame needs to die today. Point number three. Point number three. Tell your neighbor, see the joy. So the final step to our breakthrough in 2024 lies in keeping our eyes fixed on things above. Eternity. Jesus endured the cross, despised the shame. Why? Because of the joy set before him. In other words, what got him through the cross was knowing that the enemy meant for evil. God was actually going to work together for good. And what awaited him through the cross was eternity with the Father and the family he would save, all of us. You see, joy fixed in the right place gets you through what you were never meant to get stuck in. Joy fixed in the right place will get you through what you were never meant to get stuck in. Psalm 23 says it like this. Yea, though I walk to the valley of, hold on. Yea, though I walk through. You see, David didn't get his eyes stuck on Goliath. He saw through the giant to the kingdom he would inherit. Jesus didn't get his eyes stuck to the cross. He saw through the cross to the crown. I wonder if some of the reason we're stuck in something that we need to shred today is just seeing through the thing, seeing through the valley, seeing through the diagnosis, seeing through the business mess, seeing through the relationship that looks like it's seeing through. See, life gets very dangerous when we stop looking through the cross. That's actually how we get stuck in the wilderness. You see, the Israelites got out of Egypt, they got into the wilderness, and they had more than they've ever had. They had the freedom to live, they had some manna that was coming down, they had some quail at some point, it was kind of cool. They had water coming out of rocks, I mean, they were doing okay. And they got to a place of safety, they got to a place of comfortability, they got to a place where, wow, thank you God for freeing us, this is pretty great. And then God sends Moses says, hey, I need you to go and look and spy out the land that I'm gonna give you, the promised land. I need you to go and see the vision card, everything I put on the vision card, I need to go see it. So they send 12 spies out. 
and they all see, wow, this is amazing. There's so much here. The fruit's really big. There's the towns are already built for us. Like, how great is this? All this stuff is already done. They come back in 10 report bad. 10 report, this is too big. 10 report, we're like grasshoppers. 10 report, we can't get through it. 10 report, it's over. Two say, we can do this. If God's with us, we'll get through it. You see, the 10 only saw two, the promised land, where there were giants, where there was all this stuff that could go wrong. And the two, Joshua and Caleb, saw through. They saw through the adversity. They saw through the difficulty. They saw through the challenge. They kept their eyes fixed on the promise and not on the pain. And if we can get our eyes fixed through, we'll find ourselves not just settling for whatever our feelings say, our comfortabilities, we'll actually get through to what God has for us. Because I've found that God will give us what we ultimately say and ultimately want. And that's exactly what he gave all the Israelites because they all rebelled and they said, we don't want this. We just wanna stay here, we can't go through it. And he says, okay, you can't go through it, you won't. You'll be stuck in the valley. And they all died there. So while it's God's best intention, while it's God's promise, while it's God's, his best for you is through the valley, he'll let you stay in it if you keep your eyes in it. But if you get your eyes through, and if you won't settle, and you will say, I will get through this for the joy of the Lord is my strength. I will get through this valley. You'll find yourself able to get a vision. You'll find yourself able to live in the promises of God, but we have to get through it. You know, when, uh, when Maven was born, we had a pretty rough, first experience with Brielle in the hospital and with birth and all these things. And, and, and then with Maven, I was like, oh, it's gonna be way different. It's gonna be awesome. And, you know, we go into labor and everything's good. And then all of a sudden my wife starts having these incredible, crazy, you know, she had this fever and she had these chills and these shakes and it was like not good. And then Maven's heart rate started skyrocketing. And all of a sudden I'm in like panic mode because they're like, hey, his heart rate has to come down. His heart rate can't be way up here. That's like really, really bad. And obviously I'm like, I know the doctors are saying what they need to say and all the things, but I'm like, I have to, I have to start seeing through this because right now I'm just seeing in it and I'm getting a bit nervous and I'm getting a bit scared and I really don't know what to do. And so I literally just began to pray in tongues because I'm like, I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. I began to pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. I would love to tell you immediately, fever broke and everything changed. It didn't, it actually got worse. And it got worse and it got worse, but I did the only thing I knew how to do. If I can't see through, I've got to close my natural eyes and I've got to open my spiritual eyes and I've got to pray until I can see through. I've got to pray until I can see through. I've got to pray until I can see through. And they kept bringing bad report, bad report, bad report. We're gonna have to do this. We're gonna have to try this. We're gonna have to do this. This might not work. This might not be bad. This is not good for baby. And I kept praying and praying and praying until finally four hours later, when it seemed like Literally, I didn't know what was gonna happen. And my wife, of course, is at total peace. Praise God for wife of total peace while I'm freaking stressing out. She's like, what are you doing? I'm, like, I'm good, I'm just praying, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. Until I got a word. And the word came, the rhema word came, and it said, the worst is past, the end is near, the best is yet to come. The worst is past, the end is near, the best is yet to come. Immediately I saw through. Immediately I saw through, immediately peace came. 
And then immediately after that, his heart rate disappeared. And I looked, wait, did the, did the thing fall off? Did the monitor fall off? And no, it was perfectly on there. The doctors rush in. They say, we've got to do something immediately. But I already had the peace because I could see through. I could see through. And within 10 minutes, he was out, perfectly healthy, fever broke, everything was healthy, perfectly normal, perfectly vital. Here's why hearing from God, here's why needing to see through is so important. Because the Bible says that there's, there's a scripture that says that God will send out a word and it will not return to him void. That word is not just the uh, logos word of God, just FYI. That's what he's referring to in the language is actually the rhema word of God. And what it actually says, if you break it down, another way to say it is, the rhema word of God when received already has the power within it to perform itself. Which means as soon as I get the word, I don't need to worry. As soon as I get the word, I don't need to strive. As soon as I get the word, I already know that because the word came, the word will perform itself because the word is alive. The word is resurrection. The word is life. The word is true. The word is faithful. Anything he sends out, he will not let it return to him void. Nine weeks later, we got a perfectly happy, very healthy, eats a lot of food, and he's growing a lot, and is very healthy, uh, baby boy but it's because I saw through. If I got stuck in it, I don't know what kind of decision we would have made, I don't know what could have happened, but I do know that when we get stuck in a valley, if we get stuck in something for so long, you have to pray until you see through. And we actually see through hearing because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Once you can, because faith is, right, don't live by sight, live by faith, that's seeing. But you get sight by hearing. You get sight by hearing. So if you're stuck in a situation, you've been trying to circle this thing, if you've been in the wilderness and you're like, I don't even know how to get out, it may be time to fast. We're fasting in a couple weeks as a church. It may be time to just literally lock yourself in a room, pray in the spirit, pray in tongues, build up that man until you get a living word from God. Because as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. As you seek him, you will find him. As you knock, the door will be open. There's a reason that Jesus talks about a parable of a widow who literally knocked until she got justice. It's not that the judge didn't want to give her justice. He was just waiting for her to knock enough times. Some of us might have just gotten so apathetic in the valley, we just think, oh, maybe this is what God wants. Maybe this is just his will. I wonder if the guy at the pool at Bethesda said the same thing. He's just, well, I've tried enough times to get into the water. Maybe it's not God's will. Jesus is sitting there like, it's my will, but I need you to knock. I need you to pray. I need you to seek first me until you hear and then you can see and then you can fight. Why don't we stand to our feet? I wanna pray for us. Everyone can bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. In a moment, we're going to shred some things. So have this ready. But bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're in this room and you're like, man, this all sounds really great, but I don't have a relationship with this God you're talking about. I don't know Jesus personally. Friend, none of this is even gonna work or make sense until you have that relationship. So. Right now, if you've never had that relationship with God and you know you need it, in a moment, I'm asking you to raise your hand. That was me eight years ago. I came, I heard the gospel. I realized Jesus died on a cross for my sin, that if I would believe in him with my heart, confess with my mouth that he is Lord, that I would have eternal life in him and that I could actually have heaven on earth while I'm here. Maybe the second type of person you once had that, but you walked away, fell away, ran away, for whatever reason, 
you're not with God anymore and you're like, I need to get back into relationship with him, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you could just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for. You could just lift your hand. Beautiful, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus, I see that hand. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait five more seconds. If your heart's racing and you're like, what am I doing? I just need to get out of here. Raise your hand, just respond. Beautiful, thank you, Jesus. I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, thank you, Lord. Beautiful. Well, here's what we're gonna do. You guys can open your eyes, open your eyes. We're gonna say a prayer all together. We're gonna repeat this after me. It's gonna invite Jesus to become Lord of our life. A lot of us have already said this before, so we're gonna say it with you. And then afterwards, our team has Bibles following Jesus books. They want a gift to you, so make sure to find them or they will find you. And uh, they just wanna connect with you and pray with you. And then I'm gonna pray for us, and we're gonna come down and shred. Does that sound good? Okay, let's say this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. I die to my old self, and I say yes to following you. I am a new creation. I am born again. You are my savior, and you are my Lord, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.